Welcome to This Academic Life, episode 47. If you're interested in being a sponsor, then please contact us at sponsor at thisacademiclife.org. Hi, my name is Kim Michelle Lewis. I'm a professor of physics and associate dean of research. Hi, my name is Lucy Zhang. I am a professor of mechanical engineering. Hi, my name is Pani Anuol. I'm also a professor of mechanical engineering. We all have busy lives and schedules, regardless what career stages we are in. So it's possible that joining a professional organization is not at the top of our list. After all, who wants to join more meetings and activities? But it's important to know that joining these professional organizations provide an invaluable benefit to one's career. In this episode, we will talk about different aspects of professional societies and associations. Let's start by just talking about some of these benefits. Ladies, would you like to talk about some of the benefits of joining these associations? Well, I can get started. I joined uh, some of these uh, professional associations or as a member since I was an undergraduate student. So mostly I wasn't sure if there were any benefits, but that's what everybody else was doing. I figured if I'm eligible, why not? Because they, a lot of them are honor societies. So those are invitation only. So that was exciting. And then my most critical benefit that I received from being part of the association back then was being a member of ASME, that stands for American Society of Mechanical Engineers, I received a weekly or bi-weekly magazine just because you pay the dues, they send all these magazines. So that's how I got my first job is by looking at the advertising that they had at the end of the magazine. So that was really a pure benefit that I received being a member. So Lucy, you had a good point about becoming a member as an undergraduate or graduate student. And unfortunately, I wasn't a member of any of these associations till later on. I didn't even know that the students, they can join these associations. So I think in terms of the benefit, I can think of some conferences that these associations, they are hosting and it provides networking opportunities and career growth. When we go to these conferences, we can meet other people and we can talk with them. Some of these associations that I'm a member of, some of them like ASME, which is large, uh, they also have expo sessions that you can meet with from industry industry or national labs. So I think becoming a member and attending these conferences, these are some of the opportunities that they provide. Another benefit is you're able to be nominated for awards that are given to members of these huge societies. So I think that's a major benefit because a lot of times, especially females, are not nominated for these awards because they're not full-time members or lifetime members. So I think it's extremely important that we do join these professional societies. I think yeah. now more and more uh, professional societies uh, at these conferences, they also provide networking opportunities, like in terms of professional development, workshops or whatever it is. So they're getting way more 
beyond than the typical technical sessions. So these uh, professional development opportunities are really nice because they're very targeted in your own uh, professional development. So they're very focused and then it's not just in general what you need to do, but overall within the field you're in, uh, how you can develop further in your career. So those are really, really nice. So uh, Lucy, you touched a little bit about becoming members. Can you comment on how you got involved? Was it you were supposed to pay membership as a student to get involved? Yeah, so I mentioned earlier about honor society. Those don't really have a membership, So, but you need to be nominated. You need to be initiated into the society. And then as I got into more and more as I get into graduate school and uh, as a faculty. Yes, I pay myself. As a student, there's a significantly reduced membership fee. I think it, it was worth it. It's uh, definitely affordable. So now I would always recommend, so if you actually have some of the startup funds left, <laughs> as a, as if you're a junior faculty and still have some of that funds left, try to pay lifetime membership ahead of time. Otherwise, it's just a lot of hassle. Every year you have to think about, oh, the dues are, the membership dues are due on this day and make sure you pay it on time. And then I remember during Hurricane Katrina, because I was just everywhere, I wasn't receiving emails or something. My membership was actually stopped that year because I forgot to pay. And when I restarted. So my starting year is no longer my original year. So I lost about 10 years of membership uh, in that sense. So I would say if you're able to figure out what that lifetime membership fee looks like, and if you can afford it, just do it, <laughs> just get to get it done right away. But otherwise put it in your calendar, but you will get a lot of reminders from these societies that your payments are due. Yeah, some of these associations, I noticed that recently they have opened it up to undergraduate members for free because it's very important that not just faculty and researchers from industry, they are participating and they are involved. They want to bring undergraduate students and graduate students to be involved in the associations, which, which those are nice. And I always encourage my students to look into those opportunities. Their membership fees, even if they have to pay, it's much less than what we pay. And also, I think that paying this membership fees, it helps you to serve in technical committees. Otherwise, I don't think that you can be involved. Maybe I'm wrong. Do you have any comments? Is membership required to be able to serve in their technical committees? I don't think they usually check. <laughs> I don't think that that's a mandatory. <laughs> the, the ones I served on, no one asks. We just show up. I think that they don't check, but most of these uh, technical committees, they meet during the conferences. So I think they indirectly, they check, uh, or you have to pay higher price to participate <laughs> in the conference. <laughs> so That is another actually good point. If you are not a member and you like to attend those uh, conferences, typically it's a higher fee, but the fee also covers the next year's membership. So pay attention to that. And sometimes because you're going to the conference anyway, say if your advisor is willing to pay for your, for you to give a talk, that fee oftentimes covers the next year's membership and fully utilize that for sure. 
Any advice on how faculty they should cover this membership if they don't have much money left in the startup? I think it wouldn't hurt to ask. I think I would have a hard time as a department chair saying no <laughs> to a junior faculty member. I think I would say yes. If I have the funds, I think I would say yes because it's not every day they would come to you and ask that because it's sort of like a really thoughtful query. It's thoughtful. It's, it's different from can you pay for my travel to go to the conference? It, it feels more permanent or a long-term investment in the career of that faculty member in my mind. I agree. And also overhead incentive funds sometimes you, because those are unrestricted. So you could use those. And I don't know, but Kim, correct me if I'm wrong. If the department head says no, can, can people go to the Dean's office and say, would you be able to support me? <laughs> yeah, I think I wouldn't encourage the faculty member to go to the department go to the Dean without letting the department chair know. I think you still have to be respectful and say, oh, okay, I'm sorry to hear that. Would you be okay if I solicit the comments from the Dean about whether or not he can support me? And I think if you do it tastefully, I think the department chair again, shouldn't say, no, you can't go. Or maybe he will ask, on your behalf. I mean, that would be probably the best thing for the department chair to do is just ask on behalf of the faculty member. So that way the narrative is more controlled. And also when I submit proposals, I usually consider uh, membership fees for different associations for myself and my student, if the membership fee for a student is not free. So that's also another place that faculty, they can request fund to support them. Okay, so we talked about all the advantages of joining these uh, associations. There must be some disadvantages too. <laughs> what can you think of that it's the biggest barrier and obstacles in joining these professional societies? Well, I remember when I became an assistant professor and I joined a local chapter of one of the societies and I thought, okay, this is a great start. There are so many benefits, similar to the ones we just talked about. And then I got the dreadful email. Kim, can you serve as the treasurer or the secretary or, and I'm like, no. <laughs> I've been, so I, at that moment, I didn't realize that being a member also comes with the possibility of them asking you to serve on <laughs> the committee, the executive committee. So I did, of course, I did do it because there's some benefits to doing that as well. And that's a whole nother situation, but I ended up doing it, but it was definitely unexpected that I would be asked to do it. But I realized with the local chapters of some of these organizations, they're not as well subscribed to. And so there are a few people locally that actually participate in these events. And so it's sometimes it's a real struggle for the local chapters to maintain good membership. So one thing that I can think of is, yeah, some professional societies are very much self-promoting. So it's at least from the people from the outside, they may appear to be very exclusive. So they have their own people, they have their own branch of people. So you go there, you may feel like 
you don't belong because they all almost this like old boy network type of thing that kind of get this thing whole thing started and you don't really belong there you don't have a voice so those are the things you probably won't notice until you're really involved enough to notice. I wouldn't say a disadvantage, but I, I, you probably will discover it as you do it. And just, I, I don't know if there is a good advice in order to blend in. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if, if there's anything that you can do, but I would just say if you like the society stick with it consider it as home and do whatever you can to be part of it and serve whenever you can <laughs> yeah so that's a good point sometimes i think that they have these hierarchical structures that it's very very rigid and there is no flexibility like for instance like you cannot become the president unless you are doing this 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 but i think that many of these societies the larger ones they are very old they've been established for more than 50 60 70 years and they are using those traditional rules now they are trying to adapt to the new mindset <laughs> and that's why they are opening it up for free membership for the undergraduate students to come in and bring new ideas and for me another obstacle is some of them are extremely expensive for joining <laughs> it's like $300 for one year it's just and one year goes by so fast most of us are members of multiple societies so it's not just one 300 it's like I don't know three four five of them and then you add them together every year paying this membership dues it can be a burden now you're talking about four or five I have a question related to that like how many do you want to join I think like two to three at most is enough for me <laughs> because I feel like if I really want to be visible within those societies I don't want to do too much so these ones I feel I belong that's how I kind of grew into that those societies and I think for me at least I'm only in three I think uh, three is a, is a good number. I noticed that the, uh, some of the senior people in my communities, they are like members of like, I don't know, 10 or so. Uh, I don't know, maybe they, they have a golden membership for all of this and they just go to all of this for free. They don't think that how much it costs them. But I think two or three, it's, it's a reasonable one. I think one is not good, especially junior faculty. They need to be more visible. And I think sticking to one like even American societies for mechanical engineers is it's large but being a member of only that for mechanical engineers is not enough uh, I think I'm involved with five but two or three I call it my home and no matter how broke I am I'll pay my membership dues not to to start over <laughs> We talk now about the benefits and the advantages and disadvantages of these professional memberships. I was wondering if any of you know what's the oldest professional society in the United States? I'm going to just pick an area. I don't think I can nail the society. I'm going to think the area of optics, some type of optics society. You're getting closer. Well, Institute of Electrical and 
electronics engineers. I yep, yep, yeah. They are the oldest. They started in 1963 and they are the largest. They have 423,000 members. Too many engineers. But after that, it's another engineering one <laughs> that technically in United States, actually, they are the oldest one. American Society of Civil Engineers. They oh, started okay. in 1852 and mm. their membership is currently as 147,000. But IEEE is the largest one and the oldest one is ASCE. Okay, I learned something. Also, many people that I talk to, they don't know that there are some discount codes that you can use it for membership. Sometimes 50% off sometimes 75% off and that's really 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 helpful to become members of more societies if if you find those discount codes and simply you can google them like so, ASCE discount code membership ASME discount code membership so wouldn't it be awesome if this came up around the Black Friday holiday deals <laughs> I, I would like, I'm thinking about just asking my family members to chip in and make me a lifetime member of some professional society instead of buying me slippers and fuzzy blankets. <laughs> I need APS ornament on my Christmas tree. <laughs> That's what I need. Give me a golden membership for that. <laughs> Well, we need, uh, hopefully, if somebody from any of those associations, if they are listening, you maybe they can offer those deals for future. <laughs> this is taking the societies to a whole different level. So, <laughs> so, yeah, so these are some of the facts that I thought that it would be fun to, to share. Any other thoughts, any closing remarks? Well, I think we talked a lot about memberships, but did you guys know it's our two year anniversary of this podcast? Yay! Yay! <laughs> two years, wow. Way less than 10% of the podcast can last for two or more years. So we're good. We're doing very, very well. <laughs> we paid our membership dues. <laughs> <laughs> So we should also uh, use this opportunity to thank all the people who have been supporting us and the people who are uh, helping us behind the scenes. We would like to thank Jared Duffy, who helped us from the beginning when we started doing this podcast. He already graduated, so he's moving on to a greener pasture from here on. And we wanted to give him a special thanks for uh, helping us all along here. Yeah, thanks, Jared, for working hard and making us sound good in each episode. Thank you, Jared, for keeping alive that people work past 2 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> Thank you so much. And of course, also Angela Chen. She's a high school student, and she's been helping us doing much of the editing in our latest episodes for the past year or so. A lot thanks to her as well. 
Okay, so thank you so much and thanks to Jared and Angela for helping us uh, with these episodes within the past couple of um, years. So thank you, Lucy and Kim for sharing your thoughts about the professional memberships. And hopefully our listeners can find a professional society that they can consider home. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. You can follow us on Facebook, and listen to our latest episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or Google Podcasts. If you're interested in being a sponsor, then please contact us at sponsor at thisacademiclife.org. Join us next time for the good, the bad, and the ugly of this academic life.